and welcome everyone to the Exploring Potential podcast. I'm so excited to share my guests' views on potential with you. In this podcast, we explore the meaning of potential with guests from various walks of life to better understand what potential is and to be able to discover and grow into more of our own potential in our lives. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Yannick Jakob, who's an existential coach, positive psychologist, coach, trainer, and supervisor, and former program leader of the Master of Science Coaching Psychology at the University of East London. His work is grounded in his vast experience in positive psychology, existential philosophy, and cutting-edge training. He works with coaches, leaders, and anybody who considers themselves to be in a position of great responsibility to gain clarity, make choices, build resilience, and navigate their life. Yannick believes in balance, understanding, helping people think, and developing the courage to live across the full spectrum of human experience as the pathway to happiness. For over a decade, Yannick has studied happiness, optimal human functioning, and all things well-being, graduating with a Master of Science in Applied Positive Psychology. He has also studied the depths and complexities of the human condition and how they show up for people, particularly in coaching, during his Master of Arts in Existential Coaching. His first book, An Introduction to Existential Coaching, will be published by Ruthledge in early 2019. To learn more about Yannick, his work and philosophy, go to existential.coach. And without further ado, here's Yannick's take on potential. I'd be really interested to know what um, your definition of potential is. Um, my definition well I thought about that a little bit in terms of well what do I think about potential I don't think I'm in a position to really come up with a definition but like what's formed in my head is that uh, potential is it's kind of like an an ideal uh, with an ever-shifting goalpost so Mm -hmm. it's one of those infinite games it's like something that we can strive for but never really attain because as soon as we think we got it the goalpost shifts again because potential is always something that is in the future Um, living up to our potential I think there's something in there in terms of we can only ever go towards our potential we can never be fully potentialized Mm -hmm. Um, so in that sense it's really it, it can be perceived as really frustrating for people who with with a fixed mindset who like to achieve certain outcomes that are graspable you know measurable um, potential is something that can really focus a person's uh, efforts and decisions and really guide us to uh, be like work towards the best possible version of us but we can by definition never really get there because as soon we can always do a little bit more you know so i think it's it's useful as a as a goalpost as a direction that we work towards but not as something that we can ever feel we can achieve and then keep it mhm so you don't think that it's possible for someone to live their potential no, in that sense, it's not. I don't think we can ever reach our potential, um, depending on how technical we want to get about the term. You know, I don't think that I think we can always like sleep five minutes less, you know, or one minute, 
have that one more thought that would get us closer to our potential. So I think it's an it's it's an infinite game. Okay, and do you think it's possible to measure potential? That's a really interesting question. I I think we can. I think potential reaches across. It's such a multifaceted term and concept. Uh, for example, intelligence I would see as a form of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we could say that we can measure intelligence, but then we could also say that we can measure seven forms of intelligence. We can also say, well, there's EQ and there's IQ, and then within IQ, there's different uh, different parameters of you know. Then this. So I think. Potential as a term and as an umbrella term um, of that kind of ideal, I don't think that can be measured. I think we can probably measure potential in some areas. Um, Like, for example, a a room has a certain potential in terms of its physical size. Mm -hmm. Um, We could potentially um, calculate how much a person with a certain muscle mass can potentially um, like uh, lift in terms of the weight that they can lift or how fast a human being can run if we were to calculate um, the ideal form of running and uh, like how, how tall that person's legs are and their, their muscle structure. So I think there's some potential that we can measure. I think when it comes to, to psychological potential and the many different forms of that, uh, I do, I think that becomes increasingly impossible to actually measure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so just in terms of terminology, what in regards to potential, what are you um, most comfortable with? So you're, you've uh, said that living your potential, you don't really see as achievable. Um, I'm not sure what reaching someone's potential, does that go along with those lines? Is it striving towards one's potential? What, how would you talk about that process? Yeah. So reaching your potential, I don't think that's possible. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Striving for your potential. When you say living your potential, um, I'm not sure how you see that because like somebody could, if somebody views it as, reaching your potential and then sustain that potential and always be fully optimized in that sense, always living as the best possible self. I think that's probably going to be frustrating because as soon as you think you've reached it, your goalpost shifts again. I think as soon as you reach your potential, I'm not sure if you can live it up because you have potential in so many different ways. You know, your relationship potential or your your finance potential or your self-love potential. You need to decide where you put your energy and your focus, you know. And so if you shift all of your energy and all of your focus towards uh, maximizing your financial potential, then other areas of your life will suffer. Um, well, you choose to prioritize some areas of your potential over others. You know, if you spend so much time... Uh, designing a product or building a business, then uh, you're spending by definition less time with your personal relationships and your friends. So in that sense, no, I don't think it's possible to reach and sustain your potential if you see potential as a generalized, as as like an overarching term. You know, if you break it down into the 
tiniest component of that potential and define it really well in which area you want to reach your potential, um, then I think still the best the, the best possible way of living is to strive towards your potential, which, by the way, is, is really, really, really valuable. You know, striving to fulfill your potential or striving towards your, to, to maximize your potential or to, you know, to live at the top end of what, what you can, what you can achieve and how you can live. I think that's really valuable because it focuses your actions and your decisions and your choices. You know, infinite games are excellent because we cannot reach them. So some people with a very fixed mindset, they would be really frustrated by that definition of potential because by definition you can't reach it. But if you don't put so much importance, if you don't attach so much importance to reaching the outcome and you get a lot of well-being and satisfaction from the process of striving, you know, then there's nothing better and nothing more positive than a potential that you can't quite reach because it, it focuses your life. You know, it, it, it allows you to, to never lose um, that, that drive of going forward and living towards your potential. Mm -hmm. So would you say that people should strive to reach their potential or should strive toward their potential? Yeah, interesting language there again, because if somebody strives to reach their potential, by definition, they're going to be very frustrated and it's going to be a horrible journey because they feel they can never succeed. But if you if you view success as always striving towards your potential, because that's what drives you and you find uh, you find satisfaction in the striving rather than the reaching rather than the destination. You know, you know you're going towards your potential. You know you're you're doing the best you can at this moment um, to to be the best possible version of yourself. Then then that's something that will drive you for the rest of your life. And because there's no endpoint, that will always drive you. That will always be meaningful to you. But if you strive towards reaching, towards arriving, towards you know um, being that best possible self then I think that's, uh, that probably has a very negative impact on the way that you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, as a coach and in the, in the coaching literature, I've often seen the term unlocking your potential, unleash your potential, mm -hmm. which does suggest um, that you access it to some degree so that you can unlock it and you can unleash it so that it translates into your life. So... Um, and reaching your potential is also a phrase that I've read in the coaching realm as a goal of, um, of coaching. So in that regard, do you see that as problematic that it, there's this suggestion of with coaching, you can reach your potential? Um, and where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I, where it comes from is, is, I think, a much easier question because uh, that a lot of a lot of salespeople, coaches included, um, they they sell a fantasy. You know, they they sell the idea of being your best self, of attaining the best possible possible version of yourself. Um, it's an it's a very attractive idea to become the best version of you and then stay that way. Uh, it's a much harder sell to sell the process. And if you're saying, well, 
I'm going to be helping you to strive towards a certain goal that you can never attain. And that's actually a beautiful thing. Mm. <laughs> that's a much harder sell because a lot of people just haven't really understood that. And there's many people with a fixed mindsets and a lot of sales is based on exactly that process. Um, you know, I'm going to help you to attain an outcome and then a result. Um, it's a much more vague concept to sell uh, a, a human being, a version of yourself that's always in the process of becoming. I think it, it takes a certain level of understanding and a certain level of, of growth mindset of um, that you can be really happy that you would buy into the idea um, of, of an ever-developing self, you know, and find pleasure in that. Uh, for for most people or for the majority of people, um, they would like to buy an outcome. They would like to achieve their potential. And that's that's a really nice idea, you know, and it certainly sells very well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think, I, I certainly could not myself um, like authentically and ethically sell that. So reaching your potential, it's attractive. But I don't think if you really understand how human beings work, how motivation works, um, I don't think that's a useful concept. Unlocking your potential is a different is a different thing. And we're talking about like terminology there. So I can I can certainly understand why somebody would use the term reach your potential and what they really mean is what we're just talking about. Um, but unlocking your potential is a it's a very powerful term when you think about it because it implies that somebody has the key or that helps you to find the key to open a door into a better room in your life, you know, and in a way that's true, you know, you, you can through a conversation, through a, through a coaching conversation or another powerful conversation, you can actually open some of those doors that you hadn't really dared to open or didn't know how, you know, if, if somebody, if you have a conversation with somebody who really, really believes in you and, and, and your capacity to be a lot more than you, you currently allow yourself to see, you know, then, that really unlocks something, you know, something opens up and that opens up a way for, for clients, for people generally to allow themselves to see a much better version of themselves than they had previously thought possible. You know, so I, I get where the unlocking comes from. And I think that I, that certainly sits a lot better with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. We talked earlier about uh, potential in different areas of your life. And in past interviews, the concept of single-mindedness was mentioned. So I was wondering, um, from your perspective, do you think that it's, it's beneficial um, to be single-minded and single-mindedly strive towards reaching um, or um, striving towards your potential in one area of your life? Or would you adapt more of a balanced view that it should be, you should um, incorporate more areas of your life, which do you think leads to more happiness and well-being? What do you mean by single-mindedness? So single-mindedly focusing on one thing. So if it's um, a musician, for example, and they dedicate most of their time to just perfecting the art of playing whichever in instrument it is that they play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one because uh, I think partly is has to do with how you're wired and how you grew up and what your what your perspective is on these things. Um, it's very clear, for example, this comes up a lot in coaching um, and came up a lot in my life as well. Um, 
if we focus all of our energy on one thing, all of our attention on one thing, we by definition excel at that one thing. So I sometimes am very envious of people who have the capacity or the, the single kind of single mindedness to do one thing and one thing only. For example, um, there's this was well, so the French lady who was studying gorillas for, I don't know, five decades. Um, there's some people who, Jane Goda, go, well, yeah, her. <laughs> um, I could not do that. I, I, maybe I could, but like, I don't want to, and it would be very much more difficult for me to do that just because of the way that I'm wired or the way that I grew up, the, the person I am. Um, I, like there's a there's lots of terms for this the kind of generalist or multipotentialite or having a portfolio career. I'm very much at that end of the spectrum. I like uh, my, one of my top strengths is curiosity and interest in the world, adaptability. You know, I like I like diversity. Um, I I get quite bored if I only do one thing and one thing only. That's why I decided to well study psychology and work with people in the first place because. They never get boring. They always change. Even if you really think you know somebody, the, a week later they might be a very different person. You know. So I set up my career in a way that I get new information and I'm I'm not stuck in one way. You know. And I I use the word stuck because like I would feel stuck. Other people would feel that they are on a way towards mastery. So there's there's people who will be very very happy to do one thing and one thing only and become extremely good at that one thing. You know, uh, think of it as a ladder, uh, as a ladder where they go up that one ladder uh, to reach the top end of the ladder. You know, I, I'm or like climbing a tree so that they get to the top of that tree. I'm studying the foundation of trees and where they where they're rooted. Uh, I I study the, the the bottom end of many ladders and then have climbed a couple of them to a very high degree. You know, so. That allows me to see connections, to uh, to make links between different concepts. Um, I focus on integration. Integration is something that comes quite naturally to me, to combine different areas, to get certain trees together, certain letters together. And so there's a different potential in there. So in a way, we need people who focus on one thing only. But we also need people who make those connections and think a bit more horizontally about things. And I think this is where really powerful teams get together because we have some people who really excel at that one thing. And if you want, like uh, much fulfill their potential in that one single area to a much higher degree than other people. But we also need those people in teams that make those connections. You know, if you if you look at very successful mm -hmm. leaders, they're, they're generally some might have come from a very technical background. But if you you need a bigger picture perspective on things. You need to be able to make uh, relevant connections and links between a variety of different areas. So then it becomes a lot less single-minded in the understanding on, that I have about how, how you mean that word. You know, somebody who's, who's a musician, if you go for with that example, for example, um, you can be extremely good. I, I, I played in a band some, some, at some point with uh, somebody who was a brilliant guitarist. You know, he was so, so good at the technical skill of playing guitar. And he was absolutely useless in that band because he didn't have an understanding of how the song worked in, com like in, in combination with the other people in the band. 
You know, he mm-hmm. those are the kinds of people that you know take the solo space and they're way too loud and like it just it just doesn't work in combination with other things. So you can be extremely good at one one skill and very high up that ladder in that single-minded potential. But I, I think it's extremely useful to then either have somebody in your team that you trust who can make that connections for you or somebody who's managing all the people that are at the very high end of that spectrum but with little knowledge or understanding or appreciation of all the other factors that come together. So it's not that one thing is better than another, but I think it needs to work in combination with your environment and in relation to your surroundings, to your to your environment, to your to the rest of the things that are around you. So that that really makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I want to come back to um, the concept of happiness and well-being. Um, and we talked about terminology earlier and um, how reaching, if you strive to reach your potential, then that. I would assume leads to unhappiness because you'll you might never get there. Whereas if you strive toward your potential um, and continually grow throughout life, um, that that can be quite rewarding, and then the concept of potential can be um, motivating. Would you agree with that, or um, do you see see that differently? I think it's a mindset question. For example, if you do, I know. We, we can affect and change our mindset over time. You know, coaching can help with that, you know, but there's, there's people right now with a growth mindset and more of a fixed mindset. And if you have a very fixed mindset, if you just, if you have that kind of mindset and you carry that around, um, it does serve you well because you can reach something and then you achieve it. Um, if you look at Seligman's uh, PERMA uh, um, theory of flourishing, of well-being, um, accomplishment is in there, you know. So if you reach a goal, if you reach, if you're, you're like reaching the best possible self at that time, you know, if you set yourself a goal, you achieve it, then that feels really good. That makes you happy, you know, because there's endorphins and like there's uh, there's serotonin. We feel good when we reach a goal, you know. That's why it feels good when we cross something off our to-do list, because we set ourselves a goal and now we're crossing it off. We've reached it. That feels good. You know, so there's arguably um, it, it contributes to our well-being when we have a goal that is attainable. So, if you have that kind of wiring, if you have that kind of mindset, then it can make you perfectly happy. Well, perfectly happy is a big term, but it, it can certainly um, lead to a lot of well-being. If you have that goal, you reach it. You set another goal, you reach that. You set another goal, you reach that. You might have a huge goal for the next decade or two you know, or for the end of your life. And then you break that down into little sub goals and you can actually uh, work with a coach to put a goal every hour if you wanted to, you know, or every day or every week, every month, every year. And you work towards that and you can achieve all of those sub goals. You know, but I know that, uh, especially, I mean, as an existential coach, I, I come across that a fair bit, that somebody is in their 20s, 30s, 60s, 70s. And at some point they reach this massive life goal that they've been working towards for years, sometimes decades, sometimes their whole life. And then they reach it, and then it's reached. And then they fall into this huge void of, what am I going to do with my life now? Because I've reached this goal now, and it's massive. Now I have to rethink my whole life, because the, the drive um, that, that uh, guided my decision-making and my choices now is gone. And now I have to pick the next one. So 
if you have a more growth mindset and you're working towards your potential that you can like to be the best version of myself or to be the kindest person that I can be is something that you can never reach because it doesn't have that end goal that is smart as in specific, measurable, relevant, achievable, time bound. You know, that that's a goal that can be with you for the rest of your life. So in that sense, it affects your well-being a great deal depending on your mindset. And it can work for mm-hmm. either end of the spectrum of the mindset. So in that sense, it's useful to to get to know yourself and what your mindset is with regards to achieving goals or with regards to potential. And then set up a life structure that will work for you. And if you wanted to, you can start challenging your mindset. And uh, there are shifts and shifts are possible through through conversation, um, through changing some things in your life, through um, having experiences, reflecting on them and then going forward. But you can set a life structure that will be in line with what you believe in and what your values are and what your worldview is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's very interesting. And um, you mentioned existential coaching. Um, so just for our listeners, could you just um, give a short summary of what that exactly means to um, existential coaching? Mm-hmm. So it's an approach to coaching, and um, can I assume that your listeners will be familiar with coaching to some extent? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anyone's out there who hasn't heard of coaching before. <laughs> cool, I, I come with a blank slate. Um, so coaching generally is a space where two people sit down and have a conversation that's focused on what that client or what that person wants. That might be a a very smart goal or vision of themselves, a certain outcome, something they want to be or do in the future. And it's focused on achieving that. And that might be a certain behavior change or it might be a mindset change or it might be uh, some more clarity or understanding. So it's a space for somebody to explore themselves and their relationship with the world. Coaching has a huge range, so it can be very performance and behavior outcome focused. Um, It can also be, on the other end, sometimes what I call, well, therapy for people with no problems. You know, so generally coaches work with people who are already, well, we call resourceful and whole, somebody who's not unable to cope uh, with life, but they're, they're generally okay and they want to be better or have more understanding or explore themselves in a little bit more depth. So existential coaching is more at the at the therapeutic end of it, but not necessarily. I don't like to use the word therapy because we still don't quite know where that boundary is, where coaching ends and therapy or counseling begin. So um, existential coaching is an approach to coaching, life coaching or business coaching that is informed by existential philosophy. And existential philosophy is concerned with the questions around existence, about what it means to be alive, to be human, to be in the world with other people. So existentialists believe that there's always um, a certain degree of paradox, of anxiety, of inner conflict, just because we are alive and in the world with others. You know, we, we all know we're going to die, but we don't know when and how. And on the more micro level, we all know that everything ends. And may that be a meeting or a conversation or a relationship or our lives. You know, so we live towards 
an end, but we don't know when it's going to happen. So that causes a bit of friction. Um, we always want to uh, simultaneously we want to belong to others. We're social animals, but we also want to be ourselves and we want to be different. We want to be individuals. Um, we strive for certainty in a world that it's inherently uncertain. We cannot truly 100% know something. You know, we make a lot of assumptions and sometimes it might feel that we really know something. Sometimes we really uh, delude ourselves that we are certain about something, about a person, about a job, about a decision. But if we really think about it, we cannot really attain 100% certainty. We always act in faith. You know, we take a leap of faith and not necessarily a religious faith, but just, you know, we bridge uncertainty with what we tell ourselves. And the world, like, the, there is no meaning of life that we could comprehend and prove. You know, we can truly believe that there is an overarching meaning or sense to our existence, that somebody's written our life story, that we're here for a reason. But we can't really prove it. You know, we can only believe in it. And so we're living in a world that's where we can't know for sure whether our existence is meaningful. And that can be really difficult. So that's the kind of uh, human condition that we're struggling with. And existential coaches, they appreciate and acknowledge that this is what we're carrying around. You know, if we're striving to be completely anxiety-free and blissfully happy and have inner harmony without any conflict in us, then that's a state that we can only reach momentarily, according to the existentialist. And uh, I find it really comforting for, for somebody to acknowledge that life is really hard, that it's a challenge, you know, that it, it can be really uncomfortable and it must be really uncomfortable, at least at times, often a lot of the times, and that that's completely normal. And in fact, that, that's what makes life worth living because it's what makes us human. You know, we, we don't want to read the last page of a book first. We don't want to know the outcome of our story. When we go on a first date, most people don't really want to know uh, exactly how long that relationship will last. You know, if it's eight hours, then maybe that there's some benefit in that. But if you go on a first date and you know you, you're going to have four years together and then it's a horrible breakup, would you go on that first date? Many people would. Many people would definitely not. You know, it depends on, on your circumstances. But like existential coaching is a is a way to to coach somebody to look at that whole person and sometimes existential coaches might uh, work on uh, themes and topics such as how can i be my authentic self you know what's a good life how can i be happy how can i how can i reach something that's sustainably happy or um, perhaps how what do i really want from my life what drives me what are my motives what is what, what makes life meaningful what do i believe in um, so these are deep existential questions that might be the topic of existential coaching, but it might also be somebody uh, chasing uh, chasing a promotion or getting promoted into a leadership position or a management position or becoming a family father or a mom and taking a lot more responsibility. And then they're making decisions based on that. And existential coping, uh, coaching can be a space where you make such decisions acknowledging what these decisions are often rooted in, in terms of who you are and how you approach the world. That's in a nutshell. <laughs> Just wrote a book about it. So there's a lot more in it uh, than can be packed in a few minutes. But I hope I, I could give you a little bit of an insight. Yes, excellent. That was that was very interesting. Um, and to me, um, it brings up the question, where 
would you see the concept of potential fitting in within the existential um, realm? Yeah, I figured that question might logically follow now. <laughs> um, well, I guess existential. When I think about existentialism and and potential, we existentialists say we're, we're always in a process of becoming, and I think this is where my views on potential that I laid out in the beginning um, stem from. Because if we're always in a process of becoming, it means that we're always changing. People are always developing. And once we're, we think we're someone, we're already somebody else, you know? So it's, it's very difficult to grasp a human being as a thing, you know, as, as, a, as a concept that is finished at any point. Uh, people are also an infinite game, you know? We're, we're always changing, always developing, uh, and, and that's why potential as such um, is something that is unattainable existentially and that is really difficult to grasp especially if we come from a fixed mindset where we carry that uh, that inner conflict that paradox you know we we have to strive towards something and it feels good to achieve an end point and yet there is no end point in living in existing because the the only real truth that we have is that we are existing you know there there is nobody that tells you you have to be that there is nobody who tells you you need to be better. You know, these are all rules or guidelines that we've made up as human beings. You know, um, there's plenty of people out there who will tell you, you you should be better every day than you were yesterday. You know, you, you should be living towards your potential or you should be working to reach your potential. These are all rules that somebody's made up. So existentially, you have to decide what you believe is good and valuable and meaningful. And some people believe that you don't really need to do anything. You know, it's uh, like I don't, I, I develop, but I might develop in playing my video game rather than developing in, you know, getting a proper job. You know, some people say, well, you know, you need to become really technically good and master that one certain skill. You need to become the best guitar player in the world in order to fulfill your potential. And somebody else might say, well, you should be able to play every single instrument in the world at a, at a basic level. You know, it's very different directions that somebody might choose. And existentially, you, we're condemned to choose. We're free to choose. We get to choose. Nobody makes the rules. In a, in a world where there's no rules other than the ones we make or accept, you can do whatever you want, you know, which means you choose your direction in life. And if you choose to, you know, chill out the most every day <laughs> and do as little as possible and you find that a meaningful activity, you know, and you allow other people to challenge you on that of if that's really what you want and if, if we really feel that that's the best way to spend your time on this planet, then I, I have to respect what somebody else decides, you know. So if somebody wants to be the best bank robber in the world, then, you know, I might not work with them as a coach, but I would have to respect that this is the way they choose to live their life. So if, if they feel that that's their potential there, I might disagree and say, look, with those kind of skills that you have as a bank robber, you could do so much good in the world. But in that, in that second, I'm putting a value judgment on what's good and right, you know, how people should be living their lives. So the existential perspective is that 
only you can choose what's a meaningful way to spend your time here while you exist. You know, and I, I feel I have to respect that. I, I can still make a decision whether I want to work with that person, whether I want to support their goals, whether I find it ethical to, you know, help somebody develop in that way. But everybody needs to make that that decision where which kind of potential they choose to develop or whether to develop that potential at all. You can choose to not live up to your potential because like everybody has the potential to run faster. You know, if they train, you can train muscles so everybody could run faster. And even the fastest runner, even the Usain Bolts, they strive to run faster and they can, you know, by getting that little bit extra. But there's plenty of people who choose to not use that running potential, that running fast potential, and they choose a completely different potential, you know, which doesn't allow them to train running every day. And instead, they train their IT skills or they train their relationship skills or their coaching skills, you know, or their science skills, whatever, whatever potential they might be choosing. That's what be the existential, my existential perspective um, to say, hey, you need to make that choice. And that choice is a really difficult one because as soon as you choose one route, one path, you exclude all of the other paths that would also be possible. Right now, I could be, I could be trained. I could, I could be running through the park, making myself a better runner. Yeah? Instead, we're talking about potential. So I made a choice to not do anything else right now in this hour. You know, and some part in me is like, oh, you could be, you know, going on a sales training or sign up another client, or you could have been writing an article about something else. You know, I, I choose to do this and I'm left with some anxiety whether something else might have fulfilled my potential better. Mm. You know, maybe I, I should have used this hour to get into a podcast with Tony Robbins. You know, maybe that would have been a waste of time. And talking to you is actually much, much better for me in my career. Who knows? If I reach one person, one of your listeners, to, to like, um, challenge their mindset and in their, in their perspective, in their view, live a better life and be happier with the way that they approach the idea of potential then I've done something meaningful. I might never find out about it, but I choose to believe that this is meaningful, both for you, both for me, but also to the people who might be listening. Who knows, there might just be this one person listening um, who later down the line offers me my absolute dream job or makes that connection to Tony Robbins so we can finally talk. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But I live in this uncertainty and I think every human being does. You don't know where your, your path is going. And some very often that the most seemingly coincidence could discuss whether coincidence exists or not, but like sometimes a seemingly mundane conversation or decision, something you didn't think of much, just leads to one thing, leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, changes your whole life completely. So existentially, you don't know and you always live with that anxiety. You know, where do I spend my time? How do I spend my time best as in living up to my potential? That's a difficult question because it always leaves us with some anxiety and we're just going to have to make some courageous choices in the face of not knowing. So in, in which sense would fulfillment, personal fulfillment, come in there? It's a very subjective thing, I would say, because it's a feeling, right? Um, if you're feeling fulfilled, then you're feeling that you're in line 
in, you, you're acting in accordance with what you believe in. You, you feel like you're doing something meaningful. That what gives you that feeling of fullness, of wholeness. You know, that you're, you're, you're fulfilled means you're, you're at capacity. You can't do much more. So, again, it's a thing that you cannot become fulfilled and then stay that way. Because we change, like if, if we would do something, achieve something, then we would feel really fulfilled. If we then stop to move, then very quickly we would not feel fulfilled anymore because we're not striving, we're not moving. So we, we, that's the, one of the curses of human beings is we, we were always in motion and we cannot really stop. And if we, if we do stop, then life moves on and we are not moving on with it, which then creates a disconnect. So it's a similar thing. It's like you cannot become fulfilled and then stay that way. You, you can only strive towards fulfillment, and and that's a it's a feeling. It's a it's a process. It's not something that can last by definition, unless we keep on moving with it. And no matter what we do, things change. So we can try to stay at the top end, the top range of of towards fulfillment, towards potential. You know, it's something to strive for because it's gonna continuously feel as good as possible it's something that we can never quite quite reach mm -hmm. yeah the thought behind that was wouldn't you striving to do things that fulfill you that are meaningful to you wouldn't that be a good indicator of um of you making the right choices for yourself but then what also came to mind for me is the importance of doing things outside of your comfort zone which you know, facing your fears might not feel that fulfilling or meaningful as you're facing them, but um, could actually be a lot more beneficial for you and your growth and progress. So um, again, there's that paradox between doing things that are fulfilling and bring you happiness, pleasure, whatever it is. So a positive feeling versus doing things that help you grow, which might not always feel positive in the moment. Yeah, again, it depends on your mindset. For example, I, when I'm challenged, um, you know, if I'm in a in a flow state, for example, I don't really feel much. But when I come out, it feels quite fulfilling. But if I then relax too much and not keep moving, it's not fulfilling anymore. But like a lot of people will feel really fulfilled when they're challenged, when they're growing, when they're stretched, because they know they're doing something worthwhile. They know if, if growing and development and learning is in your value system very high up, then you would appreciate that feeling of being stretched because you know you're growing. At that moment, you will feel fulfilled because you're in line with what you believe in. You know, if if you value comfort and positive emotions, like feeling good, cozy, then you would feel fulfilled when you're when you're there. You're perhaps you're meditating or you're you're in that blissful state when you're not really doing anything. Um, but that can only last so long, I think, but like there's people who get a lot of fulfillment out of complete relaxation and just being there and not having any pressure from the outside. And I respect that, but there's plenty of people who, who get the feeling of fulfillment from producing something or from doing something, from, um, doing something that's meaningful, from working towards a certain outcome. But if your outcome is to just be at one with the world and others and not have any friction, then that's very different. 
because if you're striving towards not having any friction, then first of all, that's difficult for an existentialist to, to achieve because you, once you're still and you start thinking about who you are and what you are, and, and then, then there's going to be some friction. I think that's inevitable. Um, but it very much depends on your mindset to like to like in terms of what makes you feel fulfilled yes i i like that um concept of of there always having to be friction my grandfather always says there has to be friction for you to be able to keep rolling so for you to be able to keep moving you know there has to be that friction um and um Yes, I think that's a that's a very very interesting approach in the existential uh, realm. Um, so one of uh, the other things that I would like to know is, um, in which area of your life do you feel like you're um, most striving toward potential? Hmm. So one of the things I. I that's on my mission basically is to to help people think more deeply in the beginning I said well make people think in coaching I help people think but I also notice I want to encourage and inspire people to think more deeply about the world and their existence Um, I want to promote an existential worldview and attitude I want to, because I see a lot of people who are chasing comfort and frictionlessness, um, harmony, uh, the kind of state where they have positive emotions. And through my exploration of what it means to be alive, I have decided, I found out, I have concluded that that's not an attainable goal. That's, That's not something that is realistic for us to achieve on a sustainable basis. So... I I would like to foster an attitude of um, of coming to grips with some of these realities of being human, that we can start learning to embrace, not just manage or accept that there will be friction in our life, but that we can start embracing some of that friction as the stuff that makes life li- worth living, the uncertainty or the, the questions around meaninglessness, how that drives us, how that makes us be- feel alive, you know, how how actually um, when we are stressed or nervous about something, we are excited. It's the same thing, you know, that helps us to, to really to achieve a form of happiness that can be sustainable, you know, because we become like most of the stories that people tell with pride. If, if you, if you tell, if you ask people what is their most significant achievement or what's, when have they felt best in their life? A lot of the times it's something that emerges after great struggle, working through adversity. You know, um, the birth of a child is, is, uh, is preceded by a lot of struggle and challenge. Um, getting a job or, you know, finding a solution to a problem, you usually go through a process that is really uncomfortable. So these are the, the times when we feel most alive, most human, but also most proud of ourselves, that they're most memorable. So some people, they like to, they, they prefer to live flat, if you want. Yeah, I think you can't see that, but like um, not many ups and downs. You know, they like to keep things predictable. But I think it's when we lean into that, if you go in a straight line, it's a straight line, there's nothing much happening. 
if you do a lot of turns to the left and the right or up and down, you know, then then there's movement. There's there's a spectrum of what we can live and experience as human beings. And I I would like to live across the spectrum to get the most out of my time here, out of my existence. So I feel that I have a I have some potential to make some of those connections. Um, I've, I've read a lot. I've talked to a lot of different people from a whole range of of uh, people from like investment bankers to uh, artists who are really struggling and in a crisis um, from lots of different cultures. Been living in London for so much time that you can't you meet so many people uh, when you travel. There's I've looked into the worldview of a lot of people, a lot of different people, and explored mine to a large degree. I've come in contact with a lot of philosophy, a lot of uh, psychology. So I feel there's a lot of potential for me to use that kind of intellectual capacity, but also the relationships I build in my life and make those connections between what's important to people and bring that together in a way that is passionate and inspiring to people to reconsider their life from a different perspective. And perhaps that that I perhaps I know that helps people to resolve some of these conflicts and other inner conflicts that they've been fighting sometimes their whole life to just accept it and perhaps learn to embrace that. So I believe if we start learning to embrace those anxieties and those existential anxieties, there's anxiety that can be resolved and we can make it go away and alleviate it. But there's a certain level of anxiety of inner conflict of paradox that we're just going to carry around as long as we're alive. And if you're not willing to kill yourself and end your existence, then that's what you're going to be facing. And if you learn to embrace that, then you can stop fighting some of the inevitable. And I think people and the world as a whole will live better if we if we were to adopt more of that kind of attitude. You don't have to call it existential. There's there's men much overlap with a lot of other philosophies and a lot of other uh, approaches to life that encapsulate um, some of these these ideas. But I see a lot of people who are unnecessarily struggling or beating themselves up or living with guilt and shame and not accepting how they're feeling because they're fighting the inevitable. And I feel I have a lot to give in terms of uh, offering that kind of perspective to people who could really benefit from it because they didn't have the the privilege to to have access to so much knowledge and ideas and good teachers and good mentors uh, a lot of different people, a lot of diversity in the people that they meet. Um, so I feel I, ha- I have a lot to give back to the world. And uh, that's the kind of potential that I'm striving towards, that I'm using the skills that I have and the education I was I was able to enjoy um, to, to give back to, to people and hopefully uh, alleviate some of the stresses and pressures uh, out in the world and my community at first and then take it as far as I can. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great um, and very admirable. Um, and so coming towards the end of the interview, um, I would like to know from you if um, s- since we started this interview, have your views on potential changed in any way or was there anything new that you thought of or learned? Hmm. I hadn't thought about the word fulfillment in it's like as deeply as before and how how close it is to potential and how like fulfillment just like I, I, I'm still thinking about it in terms of uh, 
filling something up, filling full. What's the full in that? Is it a, an, a process of filling? Can we ever be full? So I had some thoughts around that. That's interesting and uh, probably going to stick with me for a little bit. But like essentially, yeah, no, I, I think um, a lot of that has, has been grounded talking through because I hadn't given it as much thought before. I'd be really curious to find out more about the perspective that's outside of mine, the other side of the coin or the other end of the spectrum in terms of, yes, we can measure it and yes, we can achieve it. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more people out there thinking in these kind of ways um, than I had previously thought. Um, there's got to be a lot of research around that and I would be interested in in what that research is and to what extent that's good quality research and what kind of other perspectives on potential are out there. Because I'm sure I only have one perspective on potential. And uh, it's a good reminder for me generally to step out of my paradigm and my framework and see how, how other people view the world. Mm -hmm. Great. And um, so one last question would be, is there anything else in regards to uh, your views on potential that you think um, would be important for us to know? I guess the first comes to, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I'd like to invite those people who feel very stressed and pressured to reach their potential as a as an attainable goal. Just relax a little bit, you know, um, accept where they are right now because we can reset potential our striving towards potential every single moment. you know so if you're feeling you're not really on course or on track, or you missed the train to reach your potential, or you're feeling like you wasted the last five years of your life with doing something that's not really in line with where you wanted to be. You know, there's a lot of people who feel really guilty um, about not living their potential or not doing enough to achieve their potential. I would invite you guys to relax, breathe into the present moment right now, just accept where you are on your journey, and then do as the best you can right now you know, to get closer towards that. Just reset right now and move forward the best that you can. There's no point beating yourself up about something that's already happened. You know, it's useful to reflect on it, but as soon as you catch yourself ruminating, just move on. Learn from what's happened, you know, make better decisions going forward. Reset right now, move forward, you know, do the best you can. You know, and what is best is a matter of definition. Just do good enough. And for me... That's that's a good way to approach it. You know, do good enough, um, and then it takes a lot of the pressure off because a lot of that pressure is just in our head um, by the stories we tell ourselves or the messages we get from society or from other people who tell us how we should live our lives. Oh, what a great note to end on! So thank you so much, Yannick, for your great input and time today, and yeah, it was really very interesting. Very, very happy and grateful that I could be here. And uh, thank you for your questions. Um, I think it's, it's really useful to, to have these kind of questions out there and get people to consider what they're striving towards and um, what they could reach. So, um, I'm, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening if you're out there. And uh, I'm always happy about, you know, feedback, your thoughts. Uh, would be great to, to start conversations. So I feel these kind of interviews, conversations, they're, they're only good when they resonate and start conversations, either you with yourself or you with people that you know or you and us. So I'm, I'm generally open for conversations uh, if I can 
have make make the time. Our dad always used to say, "You don't have time, you make time." And I'm trying to make as much time for for conversations. So do reach out.